Welcome to podcast 263 of Five Star Potential, your weekly football manager podcast. I'm Matt, and on this week's pod, I'm joined by Duke Mad and a returning Mr. Friday Night FM. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello. Good evening. Hello. For anyone that thinks Hello. that we don't take this seriously, Matt, you look so relaxed right now, mate. Just chilling out there, yeah. <laughs> Horizontal, <laughs> fully. You look like mad after the little meetup. <laughs> <laughs> it's either I lay down whilst I recover from surgery, or I have to do sitting and standing in 15-minute increments, neither of which are preferable. Matt, are you red, right. are you red injured? I am red injured. <laughs> I don't know what actually one one thing I don't know is uh, what the like the time out would be for a, for a slip disc in Football Manager. Answer on a postcard. I feel um, that we may have given you the injection to be able to perform tonight. Um, you definitely haven't. Yeah. Well, too like, fair. Maybe if it was beforehand, I actually had two of those uh, injections. I was going to say we had to give um, him the injection. He had a floppy disk. Hello. <laughs> Looking at that no. door handle is very nicely polished. I think something else has been in your mouth. Right. Anyway. <laughs> Okay, that is well something I cannot see. So I really feel like that's a, an East joke even for you. Yes, very much um, so. But yes, unfortunately I am red. Well, I'm recovering from red injured, but as a result, the recovery it has made me in a worse state than the actual injury at this point. So. I feel like you're one of the players that you'll be asking for a new contract because uh, and or getting upset because you haven't played in the last three weeks when you clearly can't. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll. I'll We'll uh, report that as a bug on the forums or something, maybe. <laughs> good, good. Uh, anyway, uh, preamble done and dusted with. This week's pod, we will have a save focus from myself, because strangely enough, when you can't move and you're not allowed to do anything, all you can do is football manager, so that's all I've done. And we also have a spotlight this week, which is going to be focusing on what we would do for each of these different transfer scenarios, which we'll get into in a moment. But first of all... Let's revert back to myself and go over my safe update for, well, this week's pod. Because I've done a lot, frankly, chaps. I think the last time we were together, I was with Swansea. i just finished, or just about to finish my first Premier League season. I, I have subsequently done that season. Um, and then I took a bit of a, like a, I probably had a week's break away from FM. And then I came back to it and I thought, mm, I'm a bit bored of Swansea, even though I'd only been there for a season. And I'd seen that a few other jobs had been available. The Manchester United job became available in that season, halfway through. And I did. I went for an. In, I got offered an interview, but didn't get it in the end. They offered it to Mauricio Sarri, who was at Atletico Madrid at the time. So at the end, once Ooh. he he didn't join the he didn't join them straight away though. He he waited until the end of the season to join them. So the Atletico Madrid job was available, as was a job in France with Monaco. Bearing in mind, I am also England manager at this point. I still am England manager. And we're just about to embark on upon our Euro, or the, the European Championships for 2028. Haven't done those yet, though, because we've literally just come to the end of the 27-28 season. But the team I have finished that 27-28 season with is Atletico Madrid. So I did allude nice. to it, and I have gone there. My fucking word... I can see why Maurizio Sarri wanted to jump ship because it's like an old folks home. Christ almighty. Like they have, like it's Joe's worst nightmare. Literally no planning for the future. 
no players ready to come in to replace the players that are either retiring or are well past the point of being useful for the first team. It was it was absolutely mind blowing. I was looking through the reserves, or the, the B team, and then the under the under nineteens. They have absolutely nothing. No real like they had no transfers planned for 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 me to sort of I guess obtain as soon as I joined. So I, I basically had to I make do with what I had available, which is. Not a lot, really. They, I, I was given a thirty-five million pound transfer budget. With <laughs> when I'm needing a massive squad rebuild, it's a lot of work, and didn't have an enormous wage budget either. Especially when, as soon as I joined, about four of the main sort of what are classes main main players or key players in the squad, those that if they kick up a fuss, they are going to cause you dynamics problems. Uh, they all wanted new contracts. So Marcus Lorente uh, wanted a new contract. I, I said no, and then he came back and said, I want a new contract again. I said, that's fine, because the first time around, he wanted over 400 grand a week. Jeez. The next, the next uh, but the, which was double what he, over double what he was on before. Um, I managed to knock him down from his original 400 grand to now <laughs> he's now earning 165 grand. So I, I don't know how I've w- like wangled that, but I'm very... I, I, he's now 30, he's just turned 33. He's played the majority of games in a mixture of positions because he is probably the most position-friendly player I've ever witnessed. He, he can play, pretty much play everywhere, which does have its downsides because when you are trying to review your squad depth... He just appears in every position, so um, not the most helpful. Yana Black is still within the squad. He's now just turned thirty-five. Cock. Uh, who? <laughs> Sorry, did I say that out loud? You did say that out loud, Joe. I'm afraid. Um, they've they've got John Stones, who is okay. He's thirty-three. So this is a very much an old squad. There are a couple of good young youngsters coming through. Uh, for Gun for Kundo, Fernandez, who is a young Argentinian left back, who has uh, his attributes are, are going up insanely quickly because I've basically played him for every game because there is no real left back option other than him. Uh, Koke, I've just got him to re-sign a new contract. He's now gone down from like three hundred, about three hundred grand a week to ninety-five. Um, he is a good old hand, so I've actually been using in sort of big important games throughout the season. But uh, he hasn't played an awful lot because I signed a young French lad called Gabin Mertz, who has been awesome. Just ch- just turned nineteen, but he is an aforementioned wonder kid. He's, I think, I signed him for a, nearly twelve million from uh, from Beerschot in Ger- not Germany, from in Belgium. Sorry, mm. but his attributes have gone through the roof because he's played so much. He's now worth between fifty and seventy million, according to the sort of the in-game transfer. Valuation, so that's a, a good pickup. Uh, Angel Correa is is I think he I think he starts at Atletico. He does, yep. Uh, uh, he is now kind of aging out. His attributes are starting to drop off a bit. His co- contract runs out next season. And I think I'll let him go because he's he's slowing down. Joao Felix has been an odd one. He's he was injured for two months with a broken leg. And he kind of struggled to get get him started. I tried a, a variety of different tactics, trying to sort of shoehorn him in. He's one of those awkward players that doesn't really play in any proper position, particularly like naturally, apart from attacking midfield. But then it's awkward to try and get him to 
sort of work in that position as well. Every time I've played him in his like natural quote unquote position, he's just never performed. It's like there isn't a role designed for him, isn't it? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's one of them strange ones that he's a really good player, but his role isn't in the game. Yep, absolutely. So I've got the best mileage out of him as an inside forward coming cutting in from the left. And he, yeah, again, he's not, the thing is, he's not really quick enough to be an inside forward or or an inverted winger. He just doesn't have the pace. But then playing him as an advanced playmaker out there, he just, even though they're supposed to be ball magnets, he just doesn't seem to touch the ball. So that doesn't really help either. Um, but over throughout the season, he his return has been okay. Uh, forward options, apart from João Felix, were very, very fleeting in this squad. So I signed uh, Duvan Zapata at 36 for 10 million, um, who I think has probably been a fantastic purchase, really. Not a crazy wage in comparison. He's still classed as an elite striker. His his physical attributes are still up there as well. He's ju- he's turned 37 now. Um, he Because he played so often, he got sort of the automatic extension. He's played over 30 games. Probably he's played nearly 50 games this season across all competitions with 20 goals for someone who is uh you know getting up there in age is is not bad at all but i also signed as his sort of his long-term successor i guess uh benjamin sesco first time i've actually signed like a notable fm wonderkid in this year's game i think um and he again hot and cold but then towards the end of the season he really came into his own he scored Although I don't, I've seen other people get much better goal returns from him, but because I signed him at 24, he's barely played throughout sort of the other. He's been at Bayern, PSG before he reached me. Um, I think his net transfer sort of spend is insane as well. Bayern signed him for 37, uh, PSG signed him for 48, and throughout those, I think he he's played 60 games. Under sixty games in those across those three seasons, uh, Salzburg he was barely playing either, so he's just not developed as he probably should have, or if someone else had signed him, so he's perhaps a bit stunted. But in terms of his actual goal return, twenty nine goals in all competitions, which I'll very much take. Um, so I think it's got to that point now where he is now starting more games than Zapata is. Um. In terms of formation, I sort of started with the the formation I'd brought with me from Swansea because that's how Atletico uh, Atletico have been playing under Sarri. So it's the the four three three with a DM. Then Jafix got injured, and I didn't really have enough wide players to fill in, so I ended up switching to a four four two, trying to use Zapata and Sesco. That blew hot and cold, and then. Once Jao Felix came back, I was able to bolster things out with a few additional signings. So I've reverted back, but slightly more aggressively, because I think as a sort of a top team in the Spanish first division, or La Liga, as licensing would call it, I uh, I, I I felt like I was way too passive. So I'm now pressing a lot more, and I, I my results turned completely by that point. I was struggling for for consistency, and I kind of came out of nowhere, really. Um, once I so once Jao Felix had came back, I was sitting between you know between fourth and, and second, and all of it. I managed to get through to the Champions League semi-finals, 
managed to get to the final of the Spanish Cup as well. Uh, lost to, to Barca in the Spanish Cup uh, in the European Championship, got knocked out by Man City, which Man City's team is just on another level insane. Like We think it's amazing now. Sort of, I'm a few years into the future in this FM save, and they're just ludicrously good. And I just, mm-hmm. it, I couldn't hang with them at all. I didn't have the depth to hang with them at all, mainly because mm-hmm. I haven't had like the, I haven't been able to have the proper investment that I think um, other teams have. Like same as P- same with PSG as well. I'd actually beat PSG on my way. Uh, I think I beat them in the was that in the quarterfinals? I beat them, uh, which I was I kind of had. So I, I went through, I, had, I faced Leon first, who I, I kind of steamrolled to a point. I, uh, it was convincing enough. PSG was a bit more difficult. I got a fortunate goal and I was able to just hold on to that over the two legs. And then, yeah, again, Man City just ruined me. Um, and because of I was having so many fixtures and I've got a relatively small squad, I've only got sort of 20 tie, uh, 22 full-time players which makes things quite difficult when you're facing across all fronts. And yes, you could argue that is partially my fault, but also and I had injuries that were piling up, fitness woes, and just you know very much spread too thin across three competitions to hang, but I didn't really have the, the money to properly invest as I would have liked. Um, however, with three weeks to go in the... La Liga Championship run, Bayern decided they were going to have a bit of a, a moment and they went and lost, I think, three games on the bounce, which allowed me in back into this title race that they pretty much had sewn up for ages. Um, so, yeah, they, they lost. They had a bit of a, a dizzy spell in at the start of March and that was enough to for me to claw back some points. And so we were level on points for an absolute age. And then they drew their their two of their last three games, which was enough for me to overtake. And then I won it with a with a game to go. So I actually Jeez. in my first season I managed to win the first division when it looked so unlikely by two points. But we were pretty much neck and neck throughout the in, the entire thing. Um, it was literally just that one win more that I obtained when they drew, and that was the the big difference. So, part of me is hoping I get an opportunity to sort of properly invest, I, to be able to sign the players that I've signed. A lot of it has been on the never never. I've got a young uh, French right back coming in from uh, from Milan, who they seem to be offloading a lot of players who are young and have decent potential. Because that is one thing that I've been able to do is bring bring in some younger players from other teams that are offloading them, and just played them, and their their value one has gone up, but so have their attributes, and they've just got significantly better. So I, I'm enjoying doing that, and uh, so it's it's been fun, but also quite fraught at times. So yeah, I'm going into the next season very much uh, looking forward to seeing what I can do. I haven't had the budget yet though, so. Uh, yeah, I've had a few decent sort of pickups in terms of wonder kids, quote unquote, and I've had a few sort of homegrown products that I've been able to play and they've got better as well. So, and two of which have now, or one of which has just got some Spanish caps. So 
feeling a bit vindicated, really, uh, with all of the decisions. Uh, so next season, it's basically go again, retain the title, and see if we can we can get, at least get to the final of the Champions League this time round. But um, I'm having to be a bit more careful now. I think some of the players that I have signed, their time is or that, that I need to sort of sign to replace the players that are going to be outgoing next season. I've got a season left now to find adequate replacements with what I'm hoping is going to be subsequent money, but we'll find out uh, whether the Champions League run has been enough to finance the next stage of this squad. And if it isn't, I may well look to jump ship again to someone who is willing to finance <laughs> something <Nice. laughs> a bit more elaborate. But that that's pretty much it, really. Fair play, Matt. I have two questions for you. Go uh, on. One I was wondering... Are you now, look, because you're Atletico Madrid now and obviously top of the league there, you had some pretty good, uh, let's say, wonder kids or young players back at Swansea, the guy you took as well from Groningen. Are you kind of too good for them now to go back, to go back in there and bring them uh, with Well, you? that was one of the, actually, it's funny you mentioned that because that's actually one of the reasons or one of the triggers why I I, I was turned off from Swansea because uh, Jamiro Huygen is the player you're yes, mentioning. Yeah. And, he wouldn't sign a new contract and he had a release clause in his contract, which I couldn't get clear. And Everton decided to trigger it and signed him. So once he was, so I was pretty annoyed at that. Uh, So although the other player, Johannes Moller, he hasn't, I don't think he's improved in terms of attributes and he has had a worse season under, uh, I think Paolo Fonseca, replaced me at Swansea after I left. I'm just checking now because I th- they were really close to getting relegated. They, I was going to say, that was my other question. How did they how did they do since you left? Yeah, they they escaped on goal difference. They, they, oh. <laughs> so they were very... The thing is, I was keeping, uh, keeping an eye on them myself because I know Johannes Moller has... <laughs> Has a relegation release clause oh, of forty five million. Been a dirty bastard again. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that was that was just like in there, but I knew it was in there. Um, and it's literally like I could sign him, but he he his uh, minimum minimum fee release clause to, to Champions League clubs is ninety three million, which to be honest is not bad considering he's worth around that anyway. But his relegation release clause is half that, so he would have been a, a bargain signing if I was able to trigger it. Um, so yeah, he, he's very much rated by my scouts as a sign at all costs sort of, sort of player. So he's a, he's a good one. Like I'm quite glad that he was one that my scouts sort of suggested to sign when I was there because I, you know, even if he does get sold, Swansea will do well out of that transfer. That's sort of three good quality players they can use, you know, use to rebuild, um, but it'll be interesting to see sort of how they go on from this because I finished, I finished in eleventh in the end, so they've dropped six places from from just me leaving because they haven't really lost any players. Uh, so yeah, just a significantly worse manager in FM terms. But there <laughs> we go. Is it what year, Matt? Twenty twenty eight now? Uh, twenty twenty eight now. Yeah. Is it a you? That would be a Euros year, no? If you're managing England, yes, yeah. So, so I haven't reached the Euros yet, uh, but I'm, that that is like my next task. Okay, is so I'll I'll see how that goes, really, and I'll report back sort of the next time. I think uh, I have the, in the group stage. I've got Slovakia, Portugal, and Poland 
Uh, so I, I would assume I could walk, but the, Portugal is the only one. I had those in the the Nations League and they beat me. That's the only loss I've got on my okay. England copybook so far. But I think Portugal, have, that I think a year has passed since that match. So some of the players have got a little older. So maybe that will be on my side. Do they still Diego, have like a 46-year-old Cristiano Ronaldo playing for them? Uh, he is not knocking around. But uh, <laughs> Francisco Trincao and Diogo Jota are absolute demons on their mm. save. Because like, Jota, both of them have scored goals against me that have caused me to... like. I've In the first match I played against Barca in the league, league stage, uh, sorry, or in the league uh, with Atletico, I struggled. I, I couldn't really hang with them at all. The subsequent sort of signings and the formation change has meant that I'm I'm kind of going toe to toe with them. I still haven't beaten them. I lost to them in the Spanish Cup, as I said, and I drew with them in in the subsequent league game. But I was all over them, and their their Spanish Cup like win was so fucking fortuitous. I was like, I could Dave reload this like genuinely because I felt <laughs> so aggrieved by by the whole situation. They just got. It was that pretty much one of their only attacks that meant something, and when it came to like the offside check, there was a blue and red line, and I was like, "You, it's you fucking what? Red. You, you fucking what? That was so." And the fact that I hit the post twice, um, and every sh- every shot was just like he should have done better with that chance. I can't believe he's missed all of those sort of things. That uh, is one of those days where I fucked the team talk up then, so. Because everything else, like the tactic was working perfectly. There was no real issues with it. But it was, yeah, one of those. So I'm like, that's my ne- one of the, I guess one of the big goals for next season is beat Barca. If nothing else, beat Barca at least once to prove that I am like deserving of it. Because I, I failed to beat those, uh, them in the league, but I smashed Real Madrid. I smashed. The, I, I played them in the semi-finals of the Spanish Cup and destroyed them. And then in the league, I I, I destroyed them even more. So that was that's a very good thing for for the board. They you know they're they're quite happy about that. So yeah, that was. Um, although FM did do the typical thing of you're going to play all of the teams all at the same time. So I played Real Madrid over two legs, and then I think like three weeks later, I played them again in the league, and then. Barca, I played them week after week, once in the Spanish Cup final, then one in the, the first division. So, yeah, uh, one of those. Anyway, that I think I've been chatting enough, or long enough, about this particular save. So um, we can move on, gentlemen, I think, unless anyone has any more, which they probably don't, because I've said a lot already. Excellent. Big up La Liga. <laughs> Big up, ow! Uh, big up the league. Yeah, don't elbow things; it hurts. I think um, I'm just gonna say. I think when we, when me and Joe did that Atletico Madrid save uh, on the on the stream, we didn't we have like really tough fixtures all in one go, and then it just seemed to disappear. I swear we had to play like Real Madrid, oh, yeah. like Real Madrid Barcelona, and then it was like over a Champions League tie as well, and it was just awful planning. Like they were trying to make it difficult for you. Maybe it's a La Liga thing, Matt. Maybe like the so the I've completed the pati- it now. So, <laughs> Weird so my particular like run, like I had, so I had. Uh, this was a pretty good run. The only the only matches I lost throughout this were one one to Valencia, where it was again one of those 
fortuitous they get a penalty. I've battered them all game and I just didn't couldn't find a way through and that was a way. Um, but a 10-game stretch, I played Real Madrid, then Betis, then Lyon in the Champions League, then Valencia in the game I lost. But bear in mind, there were only like three-day gaps between all of these matches. Then Real Madrid again in the league this time. Then Ibar, which was a bit of a... I had a chance to like finally rest players. Then PSG leg one. Getafe, which I then you know, managed to smash because they're struggling in the league. Then the second leg PSG, then Barca, then Barca, then Bilbao, and then Man City. So that was like a that was a stretch of like, I think that's probably a few more than ten games, but that yeah. as a stretch of games with few like with little breaks or very few breaks, it was a, a fucking tough run. Mm. Um, and like that brought me to the sort of the closing stages where I thought if I have to have any more of this, I don't know if I'm like I think I'm going to run out of steam especially as Barca weren't at that point it didn't it wasn't until I got to those two like two final games of the season that they finally sort of gave up ground because every time I won they won and I was like this isn't going to happen this time I I'm, I'm very much hoping for them to fail um to uh, to allow me in the back door which they fortunately did so uh, there we go anyway onwards and upwards gentlemen so for this week's spotlight, uh, I thought it would be interesting to have a look at what we would do for each of these transfer scenarios. So it's very good that we do have Joe with us this week. Um, so the the four transfer scenarios that I thought would be quite interested to look try quite interested quite interesting to look at from an FM perspective would be leads in the fact that they've lost two big stars in Calvin Phillips and Rafinha, and how we would go about replacing those big stars and reinvesting the money you've gained from them or from those transfers. The Manchester United situation where there's little direction and pretty much no recruitment philosophy and how we would handle that. Then Forest, where you're basically buying an entirely new squad having just been promoted and the impact that might have on squad morale. And then finally, Leicester, where... You kind of struggled last season. You've lost your first team goalkeeper for in I would say I would dare say in acrimonious circumstances, but you're yet to to replenish aging players, and instead you're just signing Jamie Vardy up to an additional two year contract. So those are the four scenarios. Um, I guess we should probably start with with Leeds for no other reason other than I've written them first. So. We'll go around the room. It doesn't have to be a, a particularly long discussion. It's just sort of how we would each go about, I guess, spending money that you've got, but how do you replace the bigger stars being the bigger point, I guess? I think Leeds have got a really big opportunity to do something quite fun because they've got, obviously, the money that's come in from Calvin Phillips and Rafinha. There was quite a lot, I'm assuming, wasn't it? It was over 100 million for both of them, 60 <laughs> and 50, right? Um, I mean, Calvin Phillips has made a massive impact with his one minute that he's played at Man City. So uh, it's good to see he's gone on to uh, be the next Jack Rodwell. Um, but I think I think what they're doing uh, is uh, Leeds is trying to improve their commercial over actually their playing squad. They seem to be sp uh, signing a lot of players that suit the American way. Uh, and we're seeing uh, a lot of effect of that in America as well. They're being now one of the favourites on the TV a lot. And I think... I think what they could do with 
to replace what they've what what's gone missing. Obviously, they don't need a winger. They've got one of the best. There. They've got Dan Jet. Okay, yeah, they need a winger. They definitely need a winger. <laughs> um, and I think there's. There's a lot of talent out there that they could go for. Could they go for somebody young? Could they then maybe go, if they're going for that American way, go get Pulisic, which I'm sure will please so many. Um, and I think that would be probably one of their signings that realistically they would go for as well. See, so obviously they signed Tyler Adams to replace Calvin Phillips. So he's kind of got the, the kind of trifecta there. Young... He's got obviously the Leipzig connection, so obviously he's got that Jesse Marsh connection. Obviously, you know, so that's the Calvin Phillips bit. I did look when I was looking at it. I was thinking of someone like you know we kind of relate a little bit to FM, um, Sander Burge from Sheffield United. Sorry, my voice keeps mm. breaking. I've had cold like all week. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's hitting <laughs> puberty for four days. So sorry. Yeah, nice. my balls have dropped and they're underneath my chair leg. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, San- Sanderberg from um, Sheffield United. I think that'd be someone if you was looking from an FM kind of thing. I was trying to rack my brains of like young defensive midfielders and nothing was really standing out. Kind of going, that's who I would go for. But do, who, who have you got? Who, who's sticking their fingers up at me? Well, sorry, I'm just going to be really quick. I know Mad wants to go next, but uh, we'll talk about it another day, my save over at Anderlecht. But we have a young player who's very talented, who's meant to be very good. But um, Marco, uh, Marcus Kanya. Kanya, yeah. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, player. good defensive midfielder, very cheap on a low wage, uh, 19 years of age, um, tall, strong, physically uh, good, tactically good, te- sorry, technically good as well. Um, and I think he could be a bit of a bargain for them. I think he's been featured in a couple of the TIFO sensible transfer videos. Oh really? Relatively recently as well. So he, I think he's a he's one of those that's relatively sort of well known, and I wouldn't be surprised if he does go to someone in the Premier League at some point. I think in FM he's a isn't he both like a centre half and a, a GM as well, and very uh, good at both. I think he's he's, he's wish Vincent Company, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think <Dubbed> the next <laughs> to, to kind of go with the narrative of what. A centre back is. I think he's a bit short to be a centre back. Um, maybe he'll grow into that. But I think technically he's probably a little bit too good to be a centre back, uh, especially looking at his attributes. Um, his jumping reach, his heading isn't great, um, but apart from that, he's he's very good everywhere else. Nice, aggressive, good anticipation. He can kind of win that ball back nicely. And then once he has got the ball back, he's got fourteen uh, passing, fourteen technique, twelve vision at nineteen. It, it could definitely be. I'd probably push him more further up the pitch than playing him at centre-back. Mm. What do you think about the Rafinha replacement? Because I kind of wrote two names down. Um, Huang Hee Chan from Wolves because of that Leipzig connection. David and it, again, again, he's got that Jesse Marsh connection and that seems to be where he's going, players that he's had before that he trusts. And then if that wasn't to happen, um, I put Cody Gakpo from PSV. Obviously, they got knocked mm. out of Europe the other night. He's been linked with Manchester United, but obviously if they're still pursuing Anthony... Uh, Leeds could kind of jump in there and, and steal him. He's been kind of, again, in FM, he always ends up in the Premier League. Um, and again, he's been linked to absolutely everybody for the last couple of years. So I think it'd be good. Obviously, they got um, Sinistera, didn't they, as well? He scored as well, of, didn't he, the last yeah. yeah. He's um, <clears throat> he's another one, obviously, that will come through. So I think they've kind of 
replace those two players, but I think again they might just want a bit of depth for both of them as well. And I'd say like I was thinking about it in, in like in FM world, you know, like if you're Jesse Marsh, you've your choices are take this one hundred million, hundred and twenty million and just try and bring in like for like. I don't really think he's done that. I think he's probably brought in players to fit the system he wanna plays. Um so you know, like obviously you could see it the last night. It's only been one game and everyone's kinda of hyping it up. The high energy, the press, like Aronson is obviously great at that. Tyler Adams was just a machine. He was just everywhere. Um so I think he's more Rather than kind of saying, I'm going to bring in two players to replace these two guys and continue as is, he's I think he's probably brought in a couple of players to help evolve the system as well. And that's something I suppose we've all done, right? Going bet- either between jobs in FM or just between seasons. A little name that some people might not know, but he's uh, he's in the, the uh, German league, so obviously that Leipzig, is um, Bakary Jatta from Hamburg. He's a Gambian. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, very uh, physically... Uh, very aggressive, very in-your-face, great at the press. He plays out wide, both sides. Technically not so good, um, but physically, like you said, hits those targets that he would like with with the pressing, with the sprints, with the runs, with the with the, with the closing down. So it's uh, it's a bit of a left-field one, but um, yeah, he's he's definitely... Well, he's somebody that I'm looking at to, to, for my handle leg side. So I thought, oh, there you go, I'll drop that one in. Just just another point that you made from the start there about this Americanisms. Um do you know that they're majority shareholders for the San Francisco 49ers now? Really? They no. they own a big stake in Leeds United now. Do they? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. So when you're looking at all that, we were talking about before about commercialism with obviously the TV stations and obviously yep. American manager, a lot of Americans coming into the team, the 49ers having a big influence on them um, ownership-wise. So yeah, it's, it's probably something we're going to see for quite a while. Yeah, well, I, I guess also that, that we we're saying that Leeds is like one of the one of, if not the largest growing team in terms of a supporter base in the States. And it's kind of come out of nowhere, really, as well, I guess, mainly because of the players that they've signed and then, I guess, the, the Marsh connection as well. So in terms of commercial growth, it's, you know, it's a market, I think, particularly in America, that hasn't really been tapped properly even by the big like the larger clubs so to get if if someone else is able to to steal in there then i think that's uh that's something that a club can gain from financially the, the point i wanted to raise i guess the player was going to be when i not i guess kind of out of left field but they were linked with him whilst bielsa was there and that's uh Brereton diaz uh kind of uh, because of um his he's he's very good at pressing. He's high energy, finishing not the greatest end product, not the greatest, but also you get the homegrown th- th- bonus. And because he's in the championship, you're not going to pay more than twenty million for him. And he's now in the final year of his contract. He's not going to sign a new one. So as a like a budget option, even especially if it's going, they're going to be a backup or expecting to be a backup. He's not the worst pickup either. So, yeah, I think that's probably where I would potentially go. He's not young anymore. He's he's twenty two. So, and I I personally don't think he is of Premiership quality. And that's not just saying so he doesn't leave. I don't think he will ever move up that next level. And because of he's such a confidence player, I think if he has a sort of a 
a time with without first team football, I think he would take a long time to find his feet again, and that will only be detrimental to his actual game time that he receives. Isn't he on the verge of going to Everton? No. Uh, um, well, Everton have just signed Neil, Neil Mopay. Uh, Neil Mopay. So I, th- I, I'm wondering if he's not going now. Interesting. Um, so possibly. Uh, I, ultimately, I think he. Uh, we are slightly getting off piste with this topic, but um, I don't think. I think he's likely to go this window to someone because he's he's very much shown a desire to leave. He's professional enough that he's been playing well, even though he clearly doesn't want to be there, at least feels like he's outgrown the club. And I think Forrest will be happy because of the sell-on clause he inevitably has in his contract too. So they, they'll they probably be keen for him to leave now, so at least they make something rather than him leaving at a free at the end of the summer and going mm. for nothing. And the only other player that's, that's been going through my mind who still hasn't had a move, and I'd say he's been linked with probably United more than anyone, but... Sangari, the guy for PSV, uh, is yeah. Abraham Sangari. Um, he's one of these kind of you know all inclusive, mid, you know, all around midfielders, uh, high energy. He's been talked about for years. Um, but it was interesting, to, you know, Dubi, you were talking about, I suppose, the American thing. I mean, we should do this in a pod someday. If Leeds are going down this kind of American theme, you've got Wolves with the Portugal thing. Brentford have always had this kind of Danish connection. Um, it's just an interesting topic thinking about it in FM terms. Obviously, IRL, commercial benefits, etc. But um, it's, I suppose it's similar to some of the saves we've seen where you go in and manage a team in a, in a league and randomly try and bring in a, a pile of nationalities from that league, from that country. Um, it's interesting to see it happen in real life. Yeah, sticking with the American, I've got, I got one, two more and, I, and I'll leave it there. Uh, one long-term replacement for, for um, what's the kiddie called? He's only played a minute. Um Calvin Phillips, Phillips. Calvin Phillips uh, would be <laughs> would be Weston McKinney. Uh, I know he's played a little bit for Juve, ah. um, but Juve having bringing more players in in the summer, maybe at the end mm. of next year, they might be able to get him a little bit of a knockdown price. And then the one, the only Timothy Weir can, uh, can replace Rafinha. There's my two Americans, son of George. I think so. The Libyan yes. president <laughs> still up on my wall as well up there. Big George, what a legend. We'll move on then. Um, I just which, wanted to try and not talk about United if I was right. Well, <laughs> I'm afraid. Come up with ideas. I, I guess it's a slightly controversial that we follow up United, uh, well, follow up leads with United. But it's been fairly well documented about Manchester United's lack of general direction when it comes to transfers. And it just, uh, for the past, what? well, I guess since Ferguson left, Whoever has been in charge uh, in charge of transfers has very much gone for a commercial scattergun approach in terms of how can this person sell the club to other people rather than on-field performances. And I guess in terms of FM, how would we go about correcting that? Uh, is probably the easiest of all of these things that you you would have thought. Uh, that they would have done the same, like done this now, that, that Ten Hag clearly has a plan and has a, a favoured, a preferred way of playing. And so therefore recruitment would follow sort of the, the path that he needs them to follow down to get the place he needs to play that particular style. But it does look like 
they're still falling into those same traps that they've always fallen into and just signing whoever is available rather than having a prolonged period of being able to like of scouting and already basically being a window ahead like the Joe transfer method is probably how I refer to it and I think that was my biggest struggle at Atletico was when I when I first joined I was basically coming into an aging squad with no backup plan at all and it then took me six months or a transfer window to get the knowledge I needed for the scouting to be able to actually make true judgments on who I was going to bring in for that window so first transfer window is like who's available who's going to be good enough to make an improvement who might fit into the way I'm going to play and then the January transfer window was like my first transfer window where I'm actually supplementing the squad with players who will actually be able to play how I want to play. Um, so there's my little anecdote, but how would we go about fixing the United problem? In FM, just out with four. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to be a little bit serious here. Uh, I wouldn't sign anyone, Matt. Uh, I wouldn't sign any play and stuff whatsoever. I would go out, uh, and I think the problem with Manchester United over the last... 10, well, eight years is a new manager comes in and a manager gets the players in that he wants or apparently wants or doesn't want or and it suits the way that he wants to play or doesn't want to play and it's no structure, no nothing. I would go out and I would put as much money on the table and say, Marcus Edwards, come in. Sit in, come and be our director of football. Come and do what you've done at Michael. other clubs. Michael. Yeah. As I say, Marcus, sorry, yeah, Michael. Michael Edwards. Um, the one who's played at uh, Liverpool, yeah? Liverpool. Yeah. Get him in, get him sat at the top. You d- you deal with the transfers. This is the the direction I'd like to go in, but at the end of the day, it's down to the director of football. He'll bring the players in to match. Would you not have the Mank? Would you not have Paul Mitchell? Well, Paul Mitchell hasn't done it as high profile as Marcus Edwards, right? <laughs> He's done it on bigger stages. Wasn't he at City as well? So you get uh, one from Liverpool, one from City. Yeah, it's like picking. <laughs> who you want to sleep with your wife, right? You don't do that. But at the end of the day, I, he's done it. He did a great job at Liverpool. You look at Liverpool's transfers recently, they've done all right. Um, and I think that's Kevich. what you need to fix. Ben Davies. I think that's what you need to fix. <laughs> <laughs> but looking at it, Ten Hag's not done a terrible job when you look at us and, we, and you know, the, the game. Yeah, you know. mate, one fixture. This is the problem. He's going to paper over a lot of cracks just having one fixture. Exactly because that. what You're he's right. done there... He's played two games where he's got his tactical style and gone, oh, fuck, that doesn't work. Let me do something which is proven to work in the Premier League. Can Manchester United do that over you know, another 35 games? Probably not. And it was one of them that they've just gone high press, do it for, you know, and then they just become an, another high press team with nothing else. It was just press, press, press. You look, Liverpool had like 85% possession. 72, but yeah. No, but well, in the. He didn't even watch the fucking game. Um, <laughs> I watched the highlights. Uh, yeah, but, no, but you, I, look I at that, you look at that position and then you go, right, so when Solskjaer was in charge and he took over, what did Man United do? Exactly Sit that. back, counter-attack. Yeah. So, uh, and then what happened to him? He got a sack. So yeah. you've got, he brought a manager in from a league which isn't a particularly difficult league. And that's um, what's, he, what's he got? Why has he proven to be a Premier League manager? You know, they missed out on Conte. Everything about Manchester United is, is late to the party. Everything is late to the party. Getting the right manager, getting the right players, 
you look at their training facilities are like 20 years old now they're not they're not top six training facilities the stadium where whereas 20 years ago you'd probably go it's one of the best stadiums in the world it's it's not now it's not even allowed to host um england games or anything because it's not even it doesn't yeah, meet the criteria um, for any kind of in big international um, or like Champions League finals and things like that. Their recruitment, what is their recruitment? There is there isn't a recruitment strategy. Let's um, say the facilities, they're never going to be poor, but they're not leading the way, you know. And then you've got scared to take a risk, you know. They're buying, they just go out and oh, Anthony, let's go and buy him for eighty four million pound. Why? What? What's? Where's the value in eighty four million pound? Because they, they're the kind of people that look at a price tag and go, well, because that's 84 million, he must be better than somebody that's 20 million because yeah. the price is higher, mm. not for any other reason. It's just price, price, price. And I know there's Manchester United tax. You know, they always have to pay over the odds to get players because they're Manchester United. But I, I keep, I've, I've written some names down to go, why would Manchester United not go? Jude Bellingham was in the championship. Why are Manchester United scouting system not going? Let's just buy him. And develop him, yeah. Oh, he's gone to Dortmund. Yeah, he and now, now it's two two words there. Uh, Nick Powell. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. He, he... <laughs> no, but, but it's just an, an example. No, no, yeah, yeah. yeah, I just yeah. Bellingham, no, Adiemi, Pedri, Camavinga, Julian Alvarez has gone to Manchester City. Tonali, Gravenberch. In Brazil, they've got Endrick, um, Kaiki, the centre half. And you think like all these players are going to get bought by your Liverpool's, your Borussia Dortmunds, your Bayern Munichs. Why are they buying these players? You know, Sesco. They're, they're linked to him. Why? Why the hell are they not going for someone like Sesco? Even though, even if he doesn't play, the money that is involved in that deal. Why is someone like Manchester? Like they've never. When was the last time they done it? Where they bought a hot prospect, should we call them, and nurtured them into the team? It's like they have to sign players that Ready. can immediately be superstars, even though they're not good enough. Yeah. I think that's, I think I think they've they've got caught by their own tail, right? They they like to promote the youth. They like to be, that we've got an incredible stat where <coughs> I can't remember how many years it is that we've had a, yeah. a youth player in the match. In squad. the squad, yeah. But then yeah. who? But but all right. I'm, you've got Rashford, Greenwood obviously came through. Yeah, we talk only about his footballing ability there. Um, but who else McTominay. are you bringing through? McTominay. That's about it. <laughs> Is he, I think is the, he elite level midfielder? No, definitely not. No, and I think it, it, Joe, you're exactly right when you think of talking about strategy. And I was thinking the same thing in my mind, like kind of transfer pipeline. Like you look at Real Madrid, and you mentioned Camavinga. I also wanted to throw Chouameni in there. Like I've kind of listened to a few podcasts. Those deals apparently were in the works for a year or two years. Like that, these guys, these players already knew that's where they're going to end up in a year or two. I think you know you mentioned Bellingham. Rumours are that Liverpool already know they're going to sign Bellingham but, next but summer. Flip, That's how far side, ahead they're thinking. The flip you know? side of that Real Madrid you know, argument there is they've known it for a year, 18 months, two years mm. that they're coming in, whereas Manchester United know 12 months before that their world-class centre midfield is going to leave. Yeah. You know, it's they're completely they're the opposite way around. Yeah. They know what's happening yeah. in the future, but Manchester United is about players leaving. They know players and are going to leave rather than what's coming through. That's the FM approach then, right? That's where you're you're taking out the Joe notebook and you're writing down, you know, okay, this is the players I want to buy now, these are the ones I want to line up. And even um, if you say that, even if you say that, it's fucking, we're talking about a computer game that you can sit there and you can plan to play a computer game. Mm. You're talking about these people that are in control of multi-million pound companies yeah. that can't succession plan. Crazy. 
what, why would you want to go to United right now? Everything you you've just highlighted there, why would, why would, I mean, at the, at the stage, I mean, we use him as an example, Jude Bellingham. Money. He was, he was walked around by Sir Alex and he decided to go to Dortmund instead. Didn't they get turned down by, um, sorry. I was going to say, Bellingham's dad apparently is a massive Manchester United fan. What's why size got to do a bit? <laughs> size matters. Think, you see, you see you, the, the, whenever there's a crisis at, there at the moment, Ferguson is being dragged out again to try and uh, he's, he's on the smooth things over. He's, I know, I know, he, I know, he's sort of he's still still part of the staff, but it's more of an executive role. Yep, and it's you. That's can't, what Solskjaer should be doing, mate. Solskjaer yeah. should be upstairs, not bringing players in or anything like that. He's a legend of that football club, regardless of what he done managerially. He's still a legend of that football club. Any what anybody that watches the '99 Champions League final, you know, that's got his name all over it. You introduce Solskjaer at Manchester United, or you know, any of any of the legends that have been there. You I'm can't if you if you're a, if you're a football fan, you know, you you recognise that, and you cannot help but be in awe of someone like that because they are literally they are a legend of the game. You know, and that, that's the kind of thing you say, Van der Sar being obviously like the um, sporting director, is he still at Ajax? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's apparently <clears throat> sort of whether, whether or not he's the guy for Manchester United, I don't know. I, I, I would say, you know, if you had a Solskjaer, I'm not going to, I wouldn't say gigs. Skulls is too, you know, introvert to be that kind of person. Depends but, you know, if, if, you had, if you had a Beckham, for instance, you know. It's that kind of that. I guess the, that's the, the when you go. Why would you sign? Because that's where Manchester United can be. I think the person they that really they would that would probably do the role quite well would probably be someone like Gary Neville because he he knows all aspects of of he you know he's involved like he's a co-owner of of Salford. He he runs the club day to day as a CEO. Um, I was listening to the listen to his edition of the Diary of a CEO podcast and then the Rio Ferdinand so sort of straight after it. So good. Uh, and it's like, those are the sorts of players that you want. They're basically that team, like or most of Ferguson's team had six leaders in them. And that is something that is drastically missing from that Manchester United squad at the moment because it's so higgledy piggledy and has been messed up by so many different managers over 10 years who all want different things and so there is because that strategy has been so unclear and the the one thing that I, I hear a lot of United fans sort of say is like about um, Ed Woodward and how good he was at the business side of things or he may have been a good businessman but he's not a football man he fucking wasn't a good, good businessman because you've not made anything on transfers but, so surely a good businessman regardless of what the thing you are buying and selling is whether it's a a person's contract, a transfer, or another commodity, you should know what a, a value of a thing is. And so therefore, surely that should have been the one thing he should have been good at was making sure that we don't lose money on transfers and that we we know when the right time to sell is, we know when the right time to buy is. And that is something that they just haven't done as that, a, strat as, that wasn't a strategic his thing, point of view. He, he was purely more, commercial. He was, you know... Oompa Loompa Crisps, Beijing's Man United, Crisp Partner. Yeah, that's what he was good at. It wasn't, transfers was not his thing, yeah. And Man Manchester United, you know, you think, other, 
Beckham, Ronaldo, that was a you know a few quid that come in, but then they've never really been uh, we sell we for sell money. our assets for money. Like yeah. it was always a thing with you know, especially in the Fergie era, and this is where Manchester United fail a little bit because they always reference the Fergie era. You know, yeah. that's gone. It's new things, but with Fergie's era, there's not many players that left under his reign that went on to be better. You know, and that no. was the thing. Whereas Manchester United, it, it just frustrates the life out of me. Like, I, I, I always think back and go, who was one of the last teams to have a women's football team? Manchester United. They, they're like behind on everything. And it's, there's such a big, it, it just needs a hell of a big change, but I just can't see it. Under the Glazers, it won't happen. They don't give a fuck if the crowd are saying Glazers out. The only thing that will happen is if it literally hurts their their pockets. And all that's happening is going, oh, Elon Musk has put on Twitter that you know, he's going to buy the club. Oh, the share price goes up. They start talking about Jim Radcliffe buying the club, share price goes up. And then, oh, we're having a protest to say Glazers out. And they're going, yeah, fucking carry on. The share price has just flown up. You know, they, they don't care. Share price is all they give a fuck about. That's the problem. When when it's not performing on the pitch, but performing on the on the stock exchange, they don't care. The minute that these fans walk out and they don't join and, and it's seen on camera that the this, this stadium is, is empty, it's not a profitable, sellable thing, that's where the, the product gets damaged and then potentially they may sell. But... Why would they sell something that they've put no money in and they're getting 11, 12, 11 to 15 million pounds out a year without any of their own money put in? So I can't this, this, this is the thing, isn't it? It's, it's the investment into the facilities is really all that they have control because yeah. the club is backed money-wise. Like You've bought big transfers and you spend big money on players, but it's, it's never an investment. It's a reaction. Yeah, it's you know, oh, we need to we need to buy someone uh, who it's this thing you know. Uh, I was thinking it this week with with West Ham, for instance, and they're linked with like Paqueta and things like that. And I'm going, it's just like they're going. These players are available, so we'll sign them because you go okay. Let's have a fourth attacking midfielder, which we don't need. Mm-hmm. It's just because they're because they're available, they'll buy them. And it's very similar with Manchester United. You know, they're going. Oh yeah, we we've got. F- Five centre halves. Let's buy another one, you know. And they're going, oh, let's buy, let's buy a defensive mid. We we want Frankie Dion. Oh, we can't get Frankie Dion. We'll go and get Casemiro on four hundred and whatever grand a week for what's it, four or five years? Four hundred and seventy-five. He's the third highest played player in our squad, and he's regardless. Gonna, but a third, he's going to be there. Arsene, Arsene Wenger. Arsene Wenger wouldn't give a player a contract over twelve months if mm-hmm. they're over thirty. You know, and then you go, and that's why the club fucking hemorrhages money. Nothing to do with Casemiro because he's one of the best defensive midfielders in the world. That's not that's not the argument. It's the size of the deal and the longevity of the deal. How does that make business sense? Going back to Bellingham, like you say, Bellingham. If let's see, Bellingham gets signed for sixty million somewhere. The the, the absolute god's honest truth is Bellingham is a better value for money uh, over Casemiro, regardless whether Casemiro is the best in the world or not the best in the world. Bellingham, you're going to get more out of over the long term. You might be able to get him to re-sign a second contract. You're not going to sell Casemiro on for anything. I tell you what, I bet they've used a 50% sell-on fee in this contract, like I would on, on FM, because <laughs> you're just not going to sell him. You know, he is going to rot, die, and then just be out of contract. We'll extend it for a year, out of contract, 36. You know, thanks very much for your time. See you later. And we'll still be in the same fucking mess. I would... It, obviously, from an FM point of view, it's 
is FM and real life because I've said to this, I've said this to Duke when we had conversations. I don't think that the Manchester United players will respect Ten Hag because I think they're higher profile than he is. So I think in that dressing room, and obviously you listened to that um, diary of a CEO as well. And the bit that got me was um, the lady that got all the balls signed. Yeah. And when they stopped signing the balls because there was always an excuse, Bergie got the ump, and then everyone started signing the balls again. And it's that kind of thing where he's going. They don't sign the balls anymore. It's all, you know, they've forgotten the values of the club. There isn't, there isn't a blueprint of what Manchester United is anymore. So you'd have to, in FM, I suppose it, it would be kind of tear it up. But I would use you know, the best youngsters that they've got, Sancho, Rashford, you know, use those kind of players. But you, I'd probably bring in, like, you know, when they Manchester United had a thing for a long time where they signed like an older striker, Cavani, Ibrahimovic, Henrik Larsson. You know, that kind of thing. Bring in some experienced, big, pro- like, you know, Gareth Bale, Chiellini, those kind of players could come in and that would transform a dressing room. Don't necessarily yeah. have to play every game, but they're spending 375000 on Casemiro at 30. You know, what would it be if they, you know, if they're spending, you know, 150 grand a week on Gareth Bale and whatever on Chiellini? But to have that level of professionalism, you know, I know there's not many golf courses near Manchester, so maybe not Gareth Bale. But that kind of thing where you've got that leadership, you know, if you could get Wales's Gareth Bale in that dressing room, if you got the Italian Chiellini in that dressing room, I think that would the younger players would go, that's how we act, that's how we perform. And I think that's that's the thing that they lack a bit of guidance because who are the leaders? Right, you've got Ronaldo, but I think Ronaldo is again it's I don't know if I'd see, obviously we don't know this, but when I've watched like the Juventus documentary and stuff like that, he seems very isolated from the teams. He doesn't seem like he's a, you know, wants to be friends with everybody. He's he's there to do a job and it's all about him. Yeah. And then, so other than him being like a, an icon, there's nobody else there that you kind of go, like a, you know, not necessarily, but like a Wan Matter type figure, you know, proper professional type player who people can look up to. Like you haven't really got that, that, Anybody there? I, I think I'm right in saying that. Dude, you, you obviously know better than me. Yeah, I'm very surprised that someone like Varane that's come in with all his vast of experience, he wouldn't be deemed as someone that could do that. I don't see that from him on the pitch. I mean, I call him tampon because he was so he was in for one week out for free last week, last month, like all the time. <laughs> it's just it's he was awful. Um, but you're right, Joe. I, I don't see anyone. I think the best thing that United could do is get rid of Ronaldo. And that pains me to say, I, I fucking love the guy. I mean, he's my password. You know what I mean? I love the guy so much. Um, as a footballer, I would like to say, maybe not as a person, but I just think that he's, I mean, there's a lot of the style of, the, of him that people don't see. Uh, there's clips that have surfaced this week that before the Liverpool game, he's going to give everyone a tap on the bum and kind of like, kind of pumping them up, trying to get them up for the game. But the media obviously probably wouldn't show that sort of thing. Because uh, he's a villain, right? Um, but I, you're right. I, I, maybe Casemiro might come in, and he might have a little bit of that leadership. Um, Martinez, but he's brand. They're brand new players. I mean, he looked physical, aggressive. But we, we're talking about a different era of professional footballers. We're talking about people that these fuckers didn't clean the, the senior players' boots. They haven't had to go through that apprenticeship style of football. And I think. They, this that for me would is where what I would class as a guy that's had to rough it at the bottom, clean the showers out, work, find out how it 
is to become this professional footballer and not have everything just gifted on a table. So you're right. Maybe an old pro would would be big benefit. I, Get I agree. I agree with that. That sentiment of you know not learning your trade, but that's quite an archaic view now, because Chelsea haven't really got those kind of players. Man City haven't got those kind of players. Liverpool haven't got those kind of players that have been bought up cleaning boots. So that that's mm, yeah, that's your kind of non-negotiables. That's a bit of a dice thing, uh, you know, an added dice thing is that they, they that's what they would want. But I get it. It's having those fundamentals of well, again, I'll go back to the Gary Neville thing. He said that there's what is it? There's two things you can do every day, isn't there? Is give it you know hundred percent and you know never give up. And it was like. You haven't got that. And if any player does that, and he said, didn't he, that the talent can be can be nurtured, but you've got to have the, the attitude of that you just never give up and work as hard as you can. Well, it's it's something that I mean, in my small time as a as a manager at work, something that I was always taught was that um, you can't teach an attitude. You can teach every other skill out there, but an attitude, somebody has to have. And when you look at this Brentford game and you look at the Brighton game and you see those players, it's different. The, the, the Liverpool game, regardless of that, that you they're going to be up for a derby. They don't want to lose that game. But you could just see the arms being thrown up. You could see them arguing, kind of pushing the, the blame onto somebody else. And that's just pure, poor, poor attitude, in my opinion. And, and, and you're absolutely right. If you can get somebody in there, I'm trying to scratch my brain now and think who, who that right player could be. I'd love to see Casemiro come in and just absolutely kind of boss that, but he can barely speak English, so I don't think that's going to be a pro- uh, going to be a thing. Um, again, he wants to play a lot with Fred. Maybe that little pairing. Fred's been there a little while now, but I don't. Again, I don't see him as the the perfect professional. It, it you're right. It's a fucking mess, <laughs> and it's painful, mm-hmm. you know. And a lot of people go, oh, you know, your club spends all the money, yeah. You, 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 sh- you you got nothing to fucking complain about. We do. We've got lots to complain about. There's a lot of problems there. To, to wrap it up with FM, I think at the moment, if you're going to fix it, just play free up top. Free up top, win the league, and then, then just buy all the players that you need and just keep playing free up top. Win our own right. race. Um, should we leave the other two? We should leave the other two, I think, so. because we've... I'm about to fucking well, cry here, Matt. I've just got a realisation <laughs> that we are fucking shit. I'll be playing Blackburn in three seasons' time. So, See, again, we're fucking shit, but we're bottom of the league, mate. So, Yeah, well, I mean, we're only, we, we are bottom. Well, we were bottom of the league, right? Exactly. We are bottom of the league, and we've spent £150 million. Which is more than us. But, uh, well, we will leave, we'll leave the other two. Uh, I think for the Forest one, we can actually revisit as... It's a little thing about how you handle, sort of, basically in term in FM terms, replacing an entire squad. I think that would be quite an interesting little thing to sort of cover on dynamics, dynamics as well in as the mud. Of, indeed. And to be fair, the Leicester one we've got till January before they sign somebody, so we've got loads of time. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! They signed Alex Smithies, mate. He's an FM oh, legend. Okay. Legend. <laughs> about to sell for Fana, so they're even now more screwed up. Yeah. So that's a. Uh, that's its own little special mess. So we'll leave those for another time. Um, anyway, gents, thank you very much. This has been been good fun, as per usual. Are we quizzing or not quizzing? Fuck the quiz. Fuck the quiz. There I we go. I have a small one, but it's, it's up to you. What about, what about quiz? quiz? <laughs>
What you, oh. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's uh, let's do the the small small one then, shall we? It's time for the quiz. I'll get my small one out. So, uh, well, it's interesting you just mentioned Fofana because obviously, yeah, at the time of recording, um, it looks like Chelsea have agreed a fee and. Pretty sure he's going to become the most expensive defender in the world uh, if this goes through. So to stick with that, lads, I'm going to ask you to give me the top 10 most expensive defenders in the world. Um, so what you're going to do is you're going to shout your name. I'll give you a point if you get one of the top 10. And if you can get within a million of the fee, I'll give you a bonus point. Um, so 10 defenders, most expensive in the world. Have at it. Dupe. Dupe. I'm Maguire, 68 million. Harry Maguire is correct, number one on the list. However, he was seventy-eight million. Oh pounds. fuck! It's even worse. Yes, Joe. Joe. Rio Ferdinand. Rio Ferdinand is incorrect. Oh. Joe. Nerd. Oh. We go <laughs> nerd. I'll go nerd because I think I only heard nerd in my ear. Kyle Walker. Kyle Walker is not in the top ten. He's not far off it. I have the list here. I think he's number he's number sixteen on the list. Dupe. Uh Virgil van Dyke. Virgil van Dyke is number three on the list. Seven. Seventy six million. No, fucking hell, he's a lot of money. Mm. Uh Dupe. Dupe. Delict. Delict. I don't know how much more. Oh, which one? What you can do yeah, exactly. Do Delict is on this list twice. Yeah, so um, he went to Juventus, right? And he went yes. for £68 million? I don't know. £77 million. Okay, and then he's just gone to Bayern Munich, so I'll take that one as well. Uh-huh. And he went for 55 I don't know. £60 million. Okay, close. 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 but no dice. No dice. So you've got three, boys. You've got the top three. Maguire, Delict, and Van Dijk. Joe? Um, Joe? Nathan Aki? Nathan Aki is not in the top 10. He is number 23 on the list at 40 million. Dupe. Dupe. Uh, Martinez. L- Lis- I was about to say Lotaro. Lissandro Martinez, number 13 on the list at oh. 51 million. Nerd. Nerd. Oh, maybe, um, I'm going to go for Laporte, but I don't think he is now either. Emmerich Laporte is on the list at number 10. 58.5 million. But you get get yourself a point. Dupe. Dupe. Ruben Diaz. Ruben Diaz, number five on the list. You want to give me a fee? 60. I'm going to give you a point. 61 million. Oh. Two points for you for that one, Dupe. F- so you've How got many one. we got left? You've got four left. Okay, Dupe. Dupe. Oh. Ben White. Ben White is number 11 on the oh. list. Joe. <laughs> Joe. Cucurella. Oh. Mark Cucurella is number 8 on the list. Can you give me a fee? 53. I have here 58.7 million pounds. Joe, Joe. 58. Um. And then there were three. Dupe. Dupe. I don't know. I think it was Lucas Hernandez. Lucas Hernandez is number four on the list. Bayern. 
I don't. If, if he's four, 65? 72 million pounds. Look at your name. Fucking hell. That's a lot of yeah. money. Why is that a, a lot of money? So we're down to two left, boys. Number seven and number nine on the list. Both are not centre backs, so they're full backs. Oh, I was gonna say David Luiz. Joe. Joe. Uh, Cancelo. Joe Cancelo is number nine on the list. Fifty-three. Fifty-eight million. Fifty-eight point five, according to this. Oh, I'm not sure now. I'm gonna dupe. Dupe. Wambasaka. Wambasaka is not in the top no, ten. I can tell you, he's number fifteen on the list. Okay, so it's relatively yeah. close. Forty-nine point five million. So <laughs> I know it's crazy. Oh, Hang on, have we have we said um, he's not he's not a wing back though. Um, when they just signed for Barca, um, who this? Jules Kunde. Jules Kunde is currently number eight, eighteen on the list. Oh. Forty five million just signed. Yeah. So this player is a is a wing back. Yeah. Is a favourite among Network Save enthusiasts on this podcast. Joe. Joe. Hakimi. Ashraf Hakimi. Oh. Can you give me a fee, Joe? So how much Joe paid for him? How much Joe paid from the save? I'm going to give it to you, Joe, because he was 59.85 million. Gets you two points. Well done. At 50, he's 9 million out. Serious player. Happy days. He said, what What did I say? Wait, did you say 60, Joe, or 50? Matter. Sorry. No, I, said, I said 60. Oh, I thought you said 50, to be fair. Uh, we'll have to listen back on that one. Anyway, scores on the doors, Go boys. Matt. I said 60. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, on one point, we've got Joe in woo. second place on four. And <laughs> woo! Dupe's Google search. Dupe out on his own with six. Well done, Dupe. Well done, Google. Matt's put off because his, his, his little one's holding his laptop up so oh <laughs> hello that was like um, Kevin and Perry yeah, I'm not, I mean if you like from where from what you can see um, I'm not Curti sight like, but wow. if my little like that's how far much further down it would be so out of context I'm sorry I thought you had your laptop on your knees <laughs> <laughs> It's on Twitter. Oh. People have seen it, so don't panic. Context is, is everything, gentlemen. Anyway, uh, thank you very much for that, Mr. Madden. Uh, that brings episode 263 to a close. You can find the links for each of us in the podcast description or by visiting fivestarpotential.com where you can find the links for all of our latest Foot Manager content as well as ourselves, including Joe's most recent and wonderfully written homage to a true FM legend and future Hall of Famer nominee, Javier Saviola. Five Star Potential is available on iTunes, Spotify, and most of the popular podcast apps and platforms with a new podcast released every week. Thank you all for listening. There'll be more from us next week. Say goodbye, folks. I've written another book. Yes! He's fucking back. Actually, two. He's back. Bloody hell. He's back. Better than Buses, baby. <laughs>